Okay, we are back. Part two uh, with Angela Kelly. Part one. You know what's great? I have such a great opportunity to be able to talk with people who are uh, diverse thinkers and they're out of the box and they take a different approach to life than just the rote boom, boom, boom. And, and Angela's one of them. And so you can see that when someone steps outside the box to think and live, they bring a perspective that you don't get from everybody who's in a lockstep process. And that's really valuable. So really grateful mm-hmm. for uh, learning about mm-hmm. you know, growing up and who you are, who you were, what you've done, what you've been through. We left off last week um, talking about, uh, what are we talking about, Angela? <laughs> oh, lots of stuff. <laughs> and we talked all about her life, yeah. but it, she got to the point where she broke out of the don't read anything but authorized mm-hmm. LDS material and she started reading. It's like my friend Reed said, people ask him, why did you leave the church? And he said, I got a library card. So you started reading, but also it was the fact that you were trying to do everything right constantly and it didn't work out where you were blessed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what has it led to this part two together is, uh, Angela telling us what this has all culminated in, in her life. And we ta- she talked about some unfortunate childhood experiences and church experiences, parenting experiences, things like that. Where are we at now? Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, so eventually I did have to come to the conclusion after reading all that I read, you have to decide, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Do I believe in God? Because that's not an easy question to answer mm. I- coming from Mormonism. Right. Um, I... At the time, I, mean, I, I do believe in a creator. I do believe in God. So far, the Christian idea resonates best with me. But uh, after what I've been through with religion, I will never say again that there is only one way to live a happy life. Mm. Um, regardless, because, I mean, I don't know what happens in the next life. Yeah. Nobody does. Right. Um, but I do think if there is a kind, loving creator up there somewhere that even with all the different religious viewpoints, that there would be some way for everyone to just live a fulfilling life, mm-hmm. if, if, in whatever way that is. Absolutely. So, so I'm never going to say, hey, like Christianity is the way to go. Mm-hmm. There's, you're not going to find happiness anywhere else. Right. I'm never going to be that narrow-minded. Okay. So um, I, did, I did resign from the church, and it was, it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, though, now, I'm glad, especially with the work I'm doing. Um, a big part of the history that I read was on polygamy. Mm-hmm. And um, the polygamy story is very different than what you read in church history. Mm. It is, um, when you read the congressional records on Utah statehood in particular, for one, it's hundreds of pages. Mm. We're not, not 20 hundreds of pages of legislators and representatives across the country talking about how can we help them realize mm. what they're doing. It was compassion. Um, and, you know, when I started researching into it as far as, so with where I am today, I'm director of Sound Choices Coalition. That is a nonprofit started by Kristen Decker. Kristen Decker's father was Owen Allred, who was prophet of the AUB. She left polygamy after 50 years, wrote a book, and started this nonprofit. And basically, the mission statement is to educate and inform the public and legislators on the harms inherent of polygamy. Okay, so that's the mission. Okay. Um, It's educating. Um, I got into that because uh, years ago, about four or five years ago, I was... I really got into helping sex trafficking children with a different nonprofit. And um, after a couple of years volunteering in that position, I just really wanted to do something more specific to Utah. Um, sex trafficking does happen in Utah, mm. but I wanted something more specific to Utah. And you don't get any more specific than polygamy. Mm. Um, it's a lo- longer story on how I got into it, but. Um, regardless, I got connected with the right people. And once I met um, Brielle Decker and Roy Jeffs and then Kristen Decker, I knew once once I really started talking to people who had lived and left it that I could never go back. 
mm. to not. So uh, I do want to say um, my opinion on polygamy now is based on thousands of hours of research. I, I had to basically, uh, I had to tell myself, okay, Angela, get rid of your biases. Okay. Because I am biased. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. So uh, automatically, I'm not going to like the idea. But I knew that in order to do anything legislatively, none of that matters, mm. right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I personally think it's harmful. Mm-hmm. When it comes to law, that doesn't matter at all. So I had to strip all of that and really find out what was it about polygamy? Was it, and, and ask myself those questions. Can you have polygamy and have happy societies? Mm. If you never ask the question, you're not going to find out. Right. So, so um, in, in now I'll tell you what I initially thought about polygamy. Now we're going to go back over 20 years when I was down in St. George and I saw the FLDS. Now I'm coming from a background of a daughter of a lieutenant colonel. Okay. I knew what freedom was. That's where I'm going with that. Not that I had privilege, okay? Because yeah. we, we did not. I'll tell you that right now. We had nine children. Uh, the only privilege I had was, I mean, I was very grateful for my father. And f- f- really, if it wasn't for my father, I don't think I ever would have got into criminal justice and even mm. been interested because I took those courses from him. Mm. So I'm grateful in that way. But So I'm coming from a mindset of we live in a free country and so when I looked out around me and saw people in prairie dresses, I thought, here's my reaction, they must really want to be there mm. because they could just leave. Mm. You don't have to stay in a religion. And I was still Mormon at the time, okay. but I'm, that's, my, that's what I'm thinking. We live in a free country. You don't have to live any certain way if you don't want to. And that was as far as my thoughts went, really. And I, and I was like, well, I would never do it, but if they don't mind, then... Who am I to say, to say to say how they should live? Okay. Okay. Now, fast forward to the last year and a half, intense research, studying it from every angle. I mean, you have to ask yourself: before before America was a country, you go all the way back to England in the year fifteen, like twenty-five. Do you know what the punishment was for polygamy? No. Death. Wow. Now. I haven't of been the man or, bo- or the man. of the man. Yeah, death. Hmm. Now, I, I have what, what I'd love to find are those conversations. Where are those congressional records hmm. that led to that decision? Because I don't, I haven't found that yet. I will find it because I want to know what was the state at the time where a government instituted the death penalty. Hmm. How har- how bad was the fallout? For them to say, no, mm-hmm. you're not living this way. That's what you have to ask. Okay. You, you can't just say, well, was it only religious persecution? You have to ask all the questions. You can't just ask one. Mm-hmm. You know. So knowing that, right, then it was like, oh, my gosh. So then what was the reason? And, you know, so we do have common law, right? So that, that was the norm. It was common law. But a lot of my research... Um, I did a lot of research into just marriage. Mm. I don't know if you saw my post on this. No. It's so interesting. If there's anything I can teach anyone from this conversation, it's ask questions mm. and ask more questions and more questions. Um, I wanted to know, Brigham Young made a comment. So, cause I was thinking about the first generation of women who lived this. Think of the ideas they had to get rid of. Yeah. Brigham Young said to them in a general conference, you need to get rid of your old ideas on marriage. This is the Lord's law of marriage. Mm -hmm. And it caused me to ask, what ideas about marriage did they have? Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I only have my Mormon view of marriage, even currently. Mm -hmm. Not now, but because I've studied. But so I intensely studied what was it in Christian marriage that they were giving up. And it is fascinating. Mm. Um, now, I'm not saying everything about Christianity is great. Mm. Everybody knows it's not. Mm. Everybody knows that crimes have been committed in the name of Christianity. Sure. That's not what we're talking about here. 
let's talk about what did Christianity bring to marriage? Mm. Do you know, before Christianity, this is what marriage looked like. You were either sold, Mm. kidnapped. You did not have a choice. Consent was not part of the deal. Mm. Your, Your father gave you or you were traded or I mean that's what it was mm. there was it wasn't any other way Christianity brought two things one consent of both parties mm. and two equality mm. full equality fascinating can people comprehend what that means mm. in marriage not really no, it's hard to imagine right yeah but when you so I'm going back to the Common Book of Prayer, published in the 1500s, and it talks about the marriage ceremony, the Christian marriage ceremony, mm. and just all the little details and all the symbolism involved and why. Mm. So, like, I'll give you some examples, and you just think of how this relates to a Mormon temple marriage, in polygamy or not. Marriage was to be done in public. Mm. Why? It says it in the book. Mm. They. The, Family and friends were invited. The community was invited. And it was to dispel the things that ruined marriage. One, marrying too close. Mm. So no incest. Mm. No uncle marrying a a niece. Adultery. Mm. And polygamy. Those were the three reasons why, and it's stated in the Common Book of Prayer, this is why we do a public marriage. To counter against those three things. It's fascinating, mm. right? So people would speak up, right, if, if they did it. Um, they were, the couple was to fast. That's why they had a wedding feast afterwards. Mm. Um, another thing I learned that I thought was kind of cool was engagement rings were for the male and the female. And mm. they were magnetic. Whoa. So when they came together, mm. their rings would stick together. Mm. Then there, you have the symbolism in, in the gold band right um but this idea of full consent and equality is what i want to harness Mm. because the more i realized what christianity brought when you realize that that didn't exist in marriage for one Mm -hmm. that's the big deal it didn't exist in marriage pre-christianity and so when people say well what's the what's the big deal Mm. with polygamy well, there's a lot of things that they're not telling you, and that's why I have a problem. Um, but all these, all those things, they had to throw away. Mm. And the research I, that I um, did just a couple weeks ago, it was actually based off of what President Nelson said when he said we have to go by the full name of the church. Mm. Um, now, I've been studying DNC 132 intensely. I've read it so many times now, I just want to throw up, honestly, because it's, it's that bad. Yeah. But I was thinking about that quote, and I already knew what DNC 132 says, sure. right? But it caused me to ask the question, what does it not say? So I have all this research compiled, and I have one document, pages of the Christian ceremony and symbolism and words, the vows that you take, there's not even marriage vows mm. in the temple mm. at all. Um, and another document of DNC 132 and, and, and the Mormon temple ceremony. And I asked myself, what words are not there? What words are not in DNC 132? And I said, see that word over there? Love. I wonder if love is in here. Like, this is the revelation, not only on eternal marriage, but on eternal families. Mm. So you would think that love would be in there somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. 3,605 words. Mm. Guess how many times love is in there? Zero. Wow. My heart literally dropped. Mm. I did this like two weeks ago or less. Mm. My heart drops and I'm like, really? Mm. What other words aren't in here? So I'm glancing at my Christian one. How about cherish? Mm. Not there. Mm. How about honor? Not there. How about trust? Not there. Wow. So I basically took the top 10 words that are 
filled within the Christian idea of marriage and none of them are in there. What is in there? What's command, stressed? Command. command. Destroyed. You'll be damned. Holy hell. Those are the words. You're teaching me something I've never it's considered. It's fascinating. Wow. That's why I'm saying you have to ask more questions. Mm. And, you know, one of the best thoughts I had a few weeks ago, um, it was because I've studied political marketing too and political persuasion because you need to know that kind of thing when you're passing laws. And this one guy said on some YouTube video, he goes, a lot of times when people are meeting the candidates, they'll say, well, what are you for? Right? Mm. And he goes, I'm going to tell you, you ask them what they're against mm. and you're going to find out a lot more about them mm. than you otherwise would have. Because of course they're going to, they're going to say whatever mm. yeah, yeah. you want to hear. But you say, what are you against? Mm. So it just caused me to ask questions in a different way. Mm. And that was fascinating. That really is. So why aren't those words there? Yeah. Not even in the ceremony. I think because it's not because it's not about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about that. Let me ask you about the polygamy. Yeah. Uh, and you've studied so much about it, mostly about the LDS relationship to it. But and and I know you've heard this, but mm-hmm. what do you say about? I'm thinking of like Hate Ashbury, San Francisco, the '60s, where there are a few women who want to be with one guy. Mm-hmm. And they agree with it. They are all in unity yeah, with it. Yeah, okay. So I have a great response for this. Yeah, let's hear that. Okay. The problem with social issues in general, um, and now I spoke with Senator Weiler about this exact thing, but this is true in all cases. So anyone who's watching this, you need to realize this is important for all social causes. Okay. If someone were to ask me, do you think you, that the government should be involved with consenting adults? My answer is going to be, no, let them do what they want. But that's the only question you asked me. Okay. Right? All right. Let's broaden it out. Do you know that in polygamy, even if everyone is a consenting adult, two things are going to happen regardless because it's a male to fee- the male to female ratio right. is one to one across the world unless you're in a country that's been ravaged by war or you live in China. Okay. It's a one to one ratio. That one-to-one ratio demands that two things happen, even if everyone's consenting. Number one, you're going to have to kick out between 20 and 40% of your boys. Mm. And number two, you are going to have child brides. There's no way out of it. Mm. You are going to drive down the age of marriage because every time someone marries another girl, you've taken a bride from someone else. Okay. Right? And that's within your age group. All right. So this is interesting because I mean I've talked to people who've left polygamy who did not know that that is why you have child brides mm. initially, mm. right? Yeah, it's not just for some sexual perversion. It's not that, but what happens is women become commodities, uh. and so because of that, and because I mean think about it, think if you're the guy, mm. and there's no one your age. But so-and-so just had a daughter. Mm. You're going to make a deal. Of course. With the dad. Mm. And that's what's happened. And mm. that's what can, that's, that's why you have child brides. And it's why you have lost boys. So to so, the hate Ashbury couple, couple, uh, mm-hmm. polygamous union, they really are uh, uh, doing damage to the societal fabric. In the yes. long run. Oh, absolutely. And, and so that's the principle that you're standing on, is that it's not some consenting adult It's not gig. about consenting adults. Right. You have to look at the big picture. What does it do on a very large scale? If you were to ask me, the like I said, if you were to ask me, should we be involved with consenting adults? I'd say no, let them do what they want. Yeah. But now you have this issue. So let me ask you another question. Should we be involved in consenting adults who want to live polygamously? Well, the problem is always, well, you already have that one, but then you also have children when children are involved. Yeah. Now, with with Mormon polygamy, uh, if we can say that, with Mormon polygamy, it's even worse. Mm. It's even worse than just polyamorous Mm. society because... And this is what pro-polygamists want you to believe. I mean, they want you to believe that everyone's consenting 
and everyone wants yeah. to be there, and this is all just hunky-dory, and we're just the same as polyamorous couples. Mm-hmm. That's BS. Mm-hmm. There is a hierarchy. Think about this concept. I asked myself, so here's some data on abuse within polygamous cultures. This is just Utah data from Holding Out Help. This is approximately 1,700 people who've left over, I think, 12 years that have just reached out to this one particular organization. 75% are reporting sexual assault. Mm. Now, you probably don't know what that means, so let me tell you. The worst country in the world is in South Africa for sexual assault, Mm. and it's only 30%. Whoa. Wow. So we have 75% of people reporting sexual abuse and sexual assault from these communities. So why? Now my question was why, right? Why? Like, how is this possible when they're religious and they believe in the Book of Mormon and they believe in, they believe in good things? No doubt. Mm -hmm. No doubt they do. Mm -hmm. What led me to the answer is really fascinating. There's um, the Stanford Prison Experiment. Do you know Mm -hmm. about it? Yeah. Okay. The Stanford Prison Experiment, for the audience who may not know, it was an experiment done in the 70s. Um, everyone that was chosen for the role, they were given personality tests. None of them were crazy. They were all like good, good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal was to find out um, what happens when people are given power. And so some people were assigned to be guards and some people were assigned to be prisoners, mm-hmm. right? And the only rule was you can't hurt each other, right? But you embrace your role fully as a guard and you embrace your role fully as a prisoner. Mm-hmm. The experiment was supposed to last for two weeks, and I believe it was shut down in four days. Mm. Now, I use this comparison for a really important reason, and that is it was the perception of power that led to the abuse. Mm. And I've watched the film, I've watched the interviews of the kids that are now grown men talking about this, and they even admitted it, Mm. that it was this perception of, well, if I'm going to be a guard, well, I'm going to be a guard. And was it a perception of power from the prisoner, too, that the guard has the power? Right, right. Now, let's go to polygamy. Okay. You have a group of people who claim that the men have authority from God. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than that, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. get any greater than that. You have God's authority Mm -hmm. to bring more women into the marriage. Because DNC 132, it says they need consent in the beginning, but by verse 63 or 64, it says, if she doesn't believe, he is exempt from the law of Sarah. Oh. Did you know that? No. So at the very end, you find out her consent really isn't needed. Wow. Okay. So how much power does he have? He has God's power. He has God's authority. He's been told that even if she doesn't consent... He can bring another woman to the marriage. And not only that, we're talking about marriage as possibly the most important decision a woman makes in her life. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the perceived power? Mm. The perception, which is subconscious. The perception is, if I can bring another woman in here, I can do what I want. Mm. Right? Absolutely. I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's why we have so much abuse. Mm. So much Hmm. abuse. I believe it's this perception of power and real perceived power that they believe they have. Wow. You uh, you have dissected this Sorry, in yeah, ways. No, crazy. no, that are that are uh, they are the heart of the matter because you're getting to things that I don't. I've heard a lot of people talk about polygamy, you know, and yep. and they usually are talking about a second thing. I want to ask you about the women involved mm-hmm. you, as a subset conversation are they just miserable yes absolutely is that a universal truth yes but you have to realize if you were taught and and i'm and i can pretend because i was raised mormon yeah if i was taught and i fully believed that living polygamy is what got me to heaven and if i didn't live it Mm -hmm. i was going to lose my children and lose my salvation those women are going to do anything they can psychologically Mm. To be okay with it. So guess what they're going to do? They're going to say, we're happy. Of course. We want this. They have to. They have to or they'd go crazy. Hmm. 
No woman wants to share her husband. When you think of marriage across the board in the United States, the number one cause of divorce is infidelity. Yeah, yeah. And here in Utah, pornography. Yeah. Well, let's bring the, the woman in for real life and see what that does. Yeah. That's the worst of all worlds. No, so they're not happy. No, I concur with you. Yeah. But let me throw out an exception. Right. She works at, used to work at Benchmark Books. I can't Mm. think of her name. She is a pro-plural marriage Mm -hmm. woman. She does the interviews like you're doing, except I am happy. Oh, yes. I am happy. Now, it's like we said earlier, though. You can convince yourself of anything. Yeah. So you stand by that really strongly. Definitely. You can convince yourself of anything. So whether you've convinced yourself or it's the reality, does it matter? I don't think it matters because, and that's why we have to continue though, when we're talking polygamy, you have to look at the broader picture. You can't zoom in on one woman yeah. or one couple that's doing it right. Right, right. You can't do that with polygamy. Yeah. You can't do it with anything. Exceptions do not make the they, rule. They don't. And yeah. so a um, couple more comparisons, if that's right. Of course. When we're, when we're talking about this so the current bill they're trying to make it so that it's not a felony that it's a misdemeanor okay what bill here in utah uh, this is a brand new one that uh senator henderson is bringing forward uh hopefully she's trying to hopefully we'll not go past the first committee but that's what they want to do okay let and and it's really sick and twisted because well i guess let's back up a little bit um so now that I'm involved in this, right? So when I saw the true state of polygamy and I realized, holy crap, how are we going to help these people? Mm. Because really my main goal, like my ultimate goal, whether we change laws or not, we have to deal with the reality that it might be legal, like fully legal. Yeah. Because it is in some countries. Yeah. So then the answer is, well, then we need to empower women. Mm that they don't need to put up with this bull crap. Mm-hmm. It would end like that. Yeah. Um, that's harder harder than sure. it sounds. Um, but it was this line of thinking that uh, I kept trying to think, well, what can we do to help them? There's only a, a handful of nonprofits that are helping the people that are leaving. Um, now, when we talk about the people that are leaving, something that people do not realize is they don't leave. Okay. They leave still fully believing their religion. Mm. And that means they believe fully that they're going to hell. Yeah. So how bad would your life have to be Mm. to leave everything you've ever known, Mm. your entire community, your family, and you're okay with going to hell too? Right. It has to be pretty bad. Brutal. It's not just, like, that's what tells me. Like, you don't even have to be smart to make the conclusion. How bad is it? What are they leaving? Right? Yeah. Um, as, especially when you realize that they still believe their religion most of the time. Mm. It's not easy to leave your religion, no, no. matter what religion you are. No. So, um, so you're a freedom fighter. You're really a freedom fighter for women, and you're trying to win their freedom through education and information. Not just freedom, liberty. Okay. And that's my bigger thing, because I didn't realize there was a difference. And mm. the difference is liberty is freedom from oppression in all its forms. Okay. Okay. So are they free to leave? If we go back to mm-hmm. my initial story, mm-hmm. yeah, we live in a free country. But are they in a community where they're oppressed? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you want them to have the liberty. Liberty. And that's going to come through tort reform and legal action and changing and, of laws. And really, I mean, we need more support in this cause. We need more people to stand up for this and realize it's like when it comes down to it, do I care if a man has sex with five women Mm -hmm. or if a woman has sex with 10 guys? Mm -hmm. I don't care. Right. That's not what we're talking about. And, Mm -hmm. and from the beginning of this within Mormonism, that's what they focused on. Yeah. And, and they, and, and they've done it to the detriment of everyone out here and to the women on the inside. inside. The women are also convinced this is only about how many people, let me give you a comparison. (laughs) <laughs> I have a son who is a genius, literally. His IQ is 162. Whoa. So I like to talk with him a lot because he has a total different way of thinking. One of the pro-polygamy arguments is, and polyamorous, well, at least all of our women know about each other. 
right? Okay. We're taking care of them, and they all know. In monogamy, you have men going to strip clubs and having affairs. And so I asked my son, well, what do you say to that? And he goes, Mom, really? So does that mean if the monogamous husband comes home and says, Honey, I'm sorry to break it to you, but I'm sleeping with five women on the side. Is that okay? Mm. Just because your women know that you're sleeping with each other doesn't make it right. Yeah. Well, are the men right? saying that they're more noble? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're better. Yeah. They all know about it. And regardless, it's not about the sex. Right. It's about the power. Yeah. It's always about the power. Fascinating. Now, it may not be, you know, it may not be that way in a in the in the worldly polyamorous community, right? right? In my mind that's totally different. Mm. That's like from what I know, I don't know a lot about it. From what I know, these people aren't settling down and having families together. Mm. And they're pretty much, it's basically swinging. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. But still, I love the fact that you brought out that it's socially unjust if it's played out around the world because some man's not getting the woman that the other one's taking. That's so right. That, that makes great sense. That's right. Uh, but I agree because the God elements included in the Mormon Makes stuff, it even worse. And in the, in the Muslim side. Yeah. So... There's three examples that I'll use in my argument when we go before the committee, and I'm pretty sure um, they're, they're pretty convincing. So one is the Canada polygamy case. Canada is one of the most liberal countries in the world. They were the fourth country to legalize same-sex marriage. And in 2011, it was brought before the Supreme Court because there's an enclave of FLDS up there. Mm. It was brought before the Supreme Court, should we just legalize polygamy? Mm. That was the question, mm. okay? But, but the question was broader than that. It was, does polygamy, does it jive with our um, charter uh, of freedom? So kind of like our constitution. The case, um, the case, it was studied for two years. It was four months of testimony, over a hundred testimonies, and they studied it from every angle. Now the lead lawyer on the case thought that it would be a no-brainer. Meaning, he thought they would legalize it. Wow. Okay? Guess what they did? They kept it illegal. Wow. And really, the, the biggest factor for that one lawyer was the cruel arithmetic of child brides and kicking out boys. Wow. You're never going to get rid of that. Mm. Unless you're going to traffic in girls from another part of the country. And oh. is that right? Oh, boy. And is that right? No, that's horrible. Is that good to do? That, you know, so that's the first argument. So that's the first case. That's the first comparison. That that decision is over 300 pages, and it took the judge over a year to write it. Mm. Um, and there's now a book on that case, but you can also, I have in my file over there, I have the printed decision. And the judge goes one by one. Like There's so much more than what we're talking about wow. here today on why they kept it illegal. Second example, let's go to Israel. Right now, in 2017, there's a portion of Israel, I can't pronounce the name of it because it's not my language. It's like Bedouin or something. Bedouin. Bedouin. So that community is a polygamous community. Okay. And polygamy has been illegal since 1978. They've not enforced the law for similar reasons as here. It's religious okay. in nature, and they haven't wanted to get involved. The situation there is so bad that in 2017, they passed an $835 million budget to eradicate polygamy. Wow. It is that devastating mm. to the women and children and men. Mm. What if you're one of those guys and you're not going to get a wife and you want one? Sure. Right? You're not going to get it. Third example. I mean, that one I give just, we need to ask what? what was happening in Israel. And that report's available online as well. It's 315 pages of evidence mm. of, of what was harmful and their plan. And when you, when you start talking law, legislative stuff, when you realize that they did that, it had to have been very bad. Mm. Governments don't pass legislation with budgets that big mm. unless there's a really big problem. Okay. Third example. This one is important because a lot of people, especially now with this bill and just with the way some people feel about polygamy, they think, what's the big deal? Consenting adults, right? Mm -hmm. So in France, after World War II, they needed workers. They were devastated by both world wars. 
And so they relaxed their immigration policy to allow polygamous families to come in. Okay. So within 40 years, they went from a country of no polygamy to over 200,000 people living polygamy, primarily from Muslim African descent. Mm. Okay. Within 40 years, it was so bad that they not only recriminalized it, they mandated that all polygamous unions divorce. They built oh. apartment complexes for women to move into. Wow. Now, so I say that because do we really want to do that? Do we really want to relax the law and say, let's not have it be a felony. Let's have it be a misdemeanor. Do you know what that's going to do? Do you want people from other countries moving here? Like, we think we know what Mormon polygamy looks like. Mm -hmm. I think everyone knows polygamy within Islam is even worse Mm than what we're dealing with. And what we're dealing with is really bad. Mm. So my conclusion is, I mean, with France's example, I mean, they've even said, we never should have let this in our wow. country. Wow. It's, it's been more devastating that they let it in and now they have to do it. But at least they did. At least they're doing something now. You present the most cogent argument to me that I've ever heard you present the most... We can't base it on feelings. And you can't base it on my opinion. Awesome. You can't. No. But when it, hopefully, when, when I hope that when people hear these examples and hear the reality of the larger picture, I hope that you can see why it's not a good idea. Yeah. Now, I'm currently working on another... I'm working on lots of projects at once, obviously. But there's one called... Um, Five faces of oppression. Mm. Now, this is from verified research that there are five faces of oppression. Mm. And what I'm going to show when I'm done with that is that those five faces absolutely spring out of polygamy and do not spring out of monogamy. Mm. That's what I'm wow. going to show. That's what I'm going to show. What are the five faces? Be- Can you share that? Uh, no. Okay. But, but an- another thing that I want to hit on with polygamy... And, you know, I don't doubt that there are people that are doing it that mm-hmm. have convinced themselves that mm-hmm. they're fine with it and right. that they're happy with it. Um, but back when I studied the law of the different traditions on marriage, you have to realize that in polygamy, you're not playing by the same rules, mm. even if all the women agree. So I'll just give you a few examples. Even in Mormon marriage, they prize full fidelity. They prize full and complete trust between you and your spouse. Mm. You cannot have that in polygamy. Right. Everything is divided. Mm. And they want to say it's shared. No, it's divided. Mm. It's divided. So you don't even get those rules. Right. You don't get the playbook for monogamy in polygamy. In polygamy, you have to know that your husband is going to sleep with other women. He is going to date other women. You don't know if you can trust him completely. What's he whispering to her? Is he fully loyal? Right. No. Like all the, I have a whole thing on it. I, I mean, all the important things in a monogamous relationship, whether you're gay or not, a monogamous union, it's the same. They expect full fidelity, full trust, full love. None of that happens in polygamy. You don't have it. You don't have it when you have 10 people in a marriage. Another fantastic argument. Right? Yeah. So, and then you have to ask yourself, what is that doing for the mental health of these women and children? And this comes to the argument that I typically hear. Right. From and that's the Doris one that you will hear. So what's I do appreciate. Which is important, but it's yeah. not going to change laws. No, it's not. Never it's has. Because, and the reason why is because you do have those same issues in monogamy, right? Yeah, we course. do have child abuse. We do have uh, domestic violence. We do have all those things. But it is a fact that within polygamy across the world, whether the only distinction when it happens within religion is one. You know what that is? It's worse. Wow. The crimes are worse and there are more when it's instituted within a religion as opposed to, say, places in Africa where it really is just tradition. I see. Now, you still have gender roles that are messed up, 
but you don't have the added religious coercion. How do you handle the, if, you've, if you have handled it, the LDS response, the one I see everywhere about Abraham and about polygamy being in the Old Testament? Do you get into that? Yes. So here's the thing with the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a theocracy. Yeah, absolutely. And what most people don't realize is it doesn't matter who was writing the history. It was a theocracy. So that means it's going to appear as if it was from God because it was a theocracy. Okay. Right? Yeah. It doesn't mean... It, when, when I've read the Christian point of view of polygamy, you know what they say? You mm. probably know. I, they say... I hope I do. They say, <laughs> look, at the, look at the terror. Right. Look at the disaster. Yeah. It doesn't mean, oh, because Abraham had more than one wife, this is what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an excuse. And my other, my other point on it would be, are we living in the Old Testament times? Right. It's a great one. If, if you're ascribing to Christianity, do you not believe that Christ fulfilled the law? Right. Like, uh, we could go into a whole other, whole other podcast. I want to throw it. a couple points out that I get to bring to the table yeah, on this Yeah, yeah. Tell me. It was Lamech, Cain's son, yep. who introduced it. God never told Abraham to take Hagar. Never Sarah did. did. That's a total lie. So God didn't do it. He just allowed them to do it. So it was just a permissive will, not and from their theocratic mind, like you right. said, everyone assumed that, well, he's okay with it. But like the Christians say, it's been nothing but disaster, which you're validating well, with your modern statistics. And do you know what polygamy actually means, the literal translation? In which language? In, I don't remember which oh. language. Is it Hebrew? I don't, well, the, it's Hebrew Old Testament. The literal translation is trouble. No kidding. Trouble. You just taught me something awesome. I didn't know that. Yes, that's the literal translation. Wow. Look at that. I mean... No kidding. No kidding. Would it be trouble? Right. Exactly. Now, I mean... And it's almost, you know, that's why I just always want to bring this argument to the broader conversation. Because when you get into zooming in on should, should well, but, you know, yeah. monogamous yeah. men have affairs... I see your point. I really do. Yeah. You know what? It's the human condition. Yeah. It's a human condition. Yeah. But the other problem I have within Mormon polygamy, especially, and I'm sure it's this way in other polygamy, is the they are not telling you the whole story. They are not telling you the women in these polygamous communities absolutely believe they have to live this way or they're going to hell. Mm. I mean... Let's ask all the women on Sister Wives, would you do this if it wasn't part of your religious belief? I don't even know if they could answer that, by the way. Right. Because that's all they know. Sure. But, you know, Joseph Smith... They would say yes. He sure did. He sure did a, a really fantastic job of destroying lives. Yeah. Because, oh, you're going to enshrine it all in religion. Wow. Perfect. Great Boy, job. You are a great spokeswoman. <laughs> so what are you do? Your now. So what are you doing? So all of this information you're trying to. Yeah. So right now I'm I'm building the case for this current legislation to say you know no, okay. no you have to keep it criminal. But like I said, broader than that, I really really want to reach people and reach the people that are living it, men, women, and children. And let them know. Because think about this. When, when the saints were in Utah, this is fascinating. Do you realize there's a book written on the trafficking that was happening, literally trafficking, when they were converting members from England oh. and Wales. And do you know who they were converting? Hmm. Women. Hmm. And shiploads of women were coming in. There's a book written on it, published in the late 1800s, and in several countries, they ended missionary programs because they were they were converting only women. I've never heard this. I've heard the concept of them stealing the no. women, but not the trafficking. And, they and were bringing trafficking shiploads of women. women over. Yes. Wow. Now, but why would they do that? You have well, to ask yourself. Because this is America. And everybody that was already here knew what freedom was. Mm. Like, so 
sorry, I, I'm going to get emotional it's because okay. a religion should not tell you what to wear, mm. what to eat, what to drink. Mm. They don't tell you that. That's not religion. Mm. Religion is supposed to stay spiritual only. Mm. Right? Only. That. You don't get to tell me if I'm going to drink a cup of coffee. Right. You don't get to tell me if I'm going to listen to Beethoven or Skid Row. Right. That's not your role. Right. And Americans knew that. When they were baptizing people in Europe, they were mainly baptizing from the poor and people who had no idea what American freedom was. Mm. Sure, we'll go follow a leader and build the promised land. Mm. They don't know. Even these people that, that, that read their books, the people who've left, and read them talk about the freedom they taste, mm. that they had no idea existed. So it's been predatory from the get-go. The very beginning. It hasn't changed. What's your opinion of, does the LDS Church on North Temple today want it, want it uh, legalized or made illegal once and for all across the United States? You have to ask yourself some really deep questions. And one of those is, why didn't they get rid of DNC 132? That's my question from the beginning. And if you want my opinion, I believe there are many. Now, I'm, this is, I have zero evidence for this. Your opinion. My opinion only. I believe there are thousands, if not more than thousands, of good standing members of the mainstream church living polygamy. Mm. And they justify it by that revelation. Yeah. And to them, I would say, go back and look at my document on those 10 missing words and you ask yourself, is this about love? Mm. Is this about trust? Are you cherishing your wife? There's none of that. It doesn't exist. If you want to know why there's so much abuse, look at the structure. Mm. Yeah. It's not even built on the, that idea. Yeah. So now your question was, do you think the mainstream church wants to legalize it? Well, if it's in their doctrine... Mm. The, th the reality is the only reason they got rid of it was because they almost lost everything. Right. So I would be, for the women who are watching, who are members of the church, I would be asking yourself, do you want polygamy legalized? Mm. Do you want to share your husband? Mm. Great question. And husbands who love your wives, do you want to be? Do you want to be dealt that hand of cards? Mm. Do you want your priesthood leader saying to you, I know you love your wife, right. but you've got to have another one. Yeah. Now, granted, some men are going to jump for that, but not the men who really L love, love their, their wives. wives. They wouldn't touch it. They right. wouldn't. Right. No, not at all. So. Uh, yeah. So much. Heavy conversation. Angela, does um, you, your opinion is that you think perhaps thousands of upstanding current Latter-day Saints, not in uh, fundamentalism oh, yeah, fundamentalism. Yeah. are practicing do you mean practicing in the literal sense or in the spiritual sense i had a wife she died i was sealed to her oh no i mean literally literally so there is speculation going around that sherry do goes everywhere with everywhere with the new president and his wife everywhere mm. uh, would oh, you would you think that is uh, hand in hand with that just that opinion well i mean i'm not going to say yeah. that that's happening but i mean I just go back to why didn't they? They, they could have. They could have taken it all the way out. They did it one time. Did they take it out of? Yes, I forget which year it was, but there was a year that it was taken out of the DNC, oh, and then it was put back something. in. Yeah, oh, okay. And then it was put back in. Yeah. And the reality is, the reason why is because that's the same revelation that's on eternal families. Uh, so they can't get rid of it. Got it. It would be nice. You know, before I left the church officially, you know, you just want it to be true. You just, for me at least, I just wanted them to say, can they just come out in the open and just say, yeah, we, we made a bunch of mistakes. Because I do believe very much that the majority of members of the church are good people trying sure. to live a good life. Right with you. Right? It's the deception. It's the lies. It's all of it. It's not the real story. You're, I mean, even... Down to like, you really believe you're going to become a god someday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and me as an apostate, I'm going to hell now. Right. Why can't Why can't 
they just be on the same par as every other Christian faith and say, if you like the way we do it here, join our church. We're just like all the rest. But that's not that's not in the marketing. Power. They're not. Right. They're not just like all the rest. No, no, no. Not even close. Fascinating. Seth, how are we doing? <laughs> Ten minutes. I asked you a tough question on the break. I don't know if you're able mm. to think about it. Yeah. But if I'm going to talk about you in the future in shows and and you're growing in popularity and you're doing really important things. Now that I've heard you, mm-hmm. uh, wow. I mean, if anyone wants to know about why polygamy is bad for society. in every way, yeah. society, life, children, men, women, talk to you yeah. and what you're doing. Or do you have, uh, before I give you the question, do you have a website? Do you have uh, information that you've gathered for people to come and access what you've been calling all over my the research? Years? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wish all my research was more accessible to everyone else. Yeah. I- I'm in the process of putting that together. That's not as easy for me to do. Um, SoundChoicesCoalition.org is the nonprofit that I'm over. Um, but if there, if someone's interested in really getting involved, like I'm. For one, I'm not interested in debating anyone on this issue. Okay. You're not going to convince me in mm-hmm. any way yeah. that this is a good idea. Um, but if you would like to understand it more and, and have like civil conversation, I would love to talk and meet with you. Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, we just we definitely are going to need more voices in this. The problem is, Regardless if you're in the church or out of the church, even for those that are out of the church, the problem with those that are out of the church is you have the polyamorous community and and everyone wants to think that it's just okay to have sex with whoever you want. And it's like, is that how life really works? Do we just really get to do whatever we feel like doing and not think there's widespread consequences to it? In all things, alcohol, drugs, sex, money. You know, you name it. You name it. There, there's, there's a, a happy medium, and that happy medium for families is monogamy, whether same-sex marriage or regular monogamy. It's okay. monogamy. It's it's two people. Um, I'm going to be starting a podcast in the next like couple weeks because I I do research so much, and a lot of it I don't get on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so people can watch for that. Really. Let my, us know. We'll announce it to all yeah. so we can help grow. Yeah, I'll let you know. My, uh, I'll just end with this. My inspiration for all of this, you know, I have to, I have to look to someone. And that person that I choose is Harriet Beecher Stowe. Mm-hmm. Now, she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, which mm-hmm. literally changed America. The book sold 10,000 copies, I believe, in three weeks. Mm-hmm. It was the first American bestseller. That's where the term bestseller comes from, oh. is from her book. It's second only to the Bible mm. in how many have been published. And I asked myself, you know, what did she do? This The movement on slavery had been going on for a long time, decades and decades, uh, as far as the official abolitionist movement. What did she do that made it so that Abraham Lincoln would later say, you're the little lady that caused this war, mm. right? Like mm. she, she changed the fabric of American society on what they thought of slavery because they too justified it. By Old Testament traditions, mm. this is just the way it sure. is. There's just slavery, and one of the, the biggest things she did was she humanized the slave. Mm. Literally, she made them human, like you and I. Mm. And for those that have done any amount of conversation within polygamy, you can't doubt this phrase. A lot of people will say, "Well, my ancestors were polygamous." And man, I just don't know how they could have done that. They were so strong. Mm. And my argument to that is, no, they weren't. They were just like you. Mm. Those husbands were just as heartbroken. Those women's were just as heartbroken mm. as what you think you might feel mm. if you had to live that way. Mm. Right? Yeah. They don't have superpowers. Right. And none of these women currently that are living it, they don't have superpowers either. Mm. There's human dignity. There's human emotion. And... And I, I believe it's, it's our duty as Americans to say no. Mm. Like, I am blown away that the people that do know of the oppression in these towns and in these families 
can just say, well, they want to live that way. Mm. It's okay with me. But the problem is, what's going to happen when it comes into your backyard? Mm. And that's why Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote her book. Mm. They passed the Anti-Fugitive Slave Act, and now she was going to be required by law to report and turn in any slave that had come for freedom. Wow. So is that what it's going to take for people? Do your rights have to be infringed upon before you stand up for someone else? I suggest we don't do that. It's wow. not going to be pretty. Wow. It's not the way to go. Uh, great platform. Really articulate. Uh, the best <laughs> I've ever heard. And, and I, I, you know, not that I'm anybody, but I've heard a lot of it. The best I've ever heard. Because you're cutting through the junk that just yeah. sets everybody in their corners and leaves them there. I have some random yeah. word questions okay. to ask you to wrap this up. All right. The first one is, um, are you of a certain political persuasion? No. Are you right, left, middle, centrist? I claim none of that. I, I, when I'm looking at um, politics, I just want truth and honesty. Okay. Because one of the, cause it sounds like, because of your, your stance on with this polygamy thing, it sounds like you're pretty conservative and on the right side. But... In other ways, you're not. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you like Aerosmith, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, I got to get my thoughts here. Mm. That was the one. Politically, where are you? Um, let me think. And I'm not, you guys can mm. wait a minute. Polygamy and slavery, the twin relics, the twins of, barbar- mm. relics of barbarism, justified by the Bible. Jesus comes along, and because you say Christianity brings right. in a marriage, and he really did a lot, if you just read it, for the emancipation of women. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Talked with the woman at the well, and you weren't supposed to be alone with them. And well, who did he appear to? After Mary and Martha. And, right. Women. All of it. Women. And they were the ones who... So, and, and even though Christians can be just as misogynistic... Mm-hmm. They can. ...bastards as Mormons, right. for the Mormon bastards... Um, Jesus, in the truest form, was a liberator of women. Right. So, Jesus. My thoughts on Jesus? You know, uh, I'm at a point where I am only going to like what Jesus supposedly said. Okay. Because I don't know if he really said it. But if I'm good, this is me. If if I'm going to go by just the parables of Jesus, you can't go wrong. Okay. Now, there are some apostles in the New Testament who say things like women shouldn't speak in church, and that's bullcrap. Yeah. So if we just go by what just what Jesus taught, I think he's done more positive than anyone. Yeah. Before you go, and I thank you so much for being with us, can I give a one-minute pitch to you? I do it oh, with yes, every guest. Oh, yes, yes, go ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. That um, Jesus saved the world. He didn't save only those who believe on him. This is established through Scripture. He saved the world. The world chooses whether to receive him or not as their Messiah. But God is a God of love, and the hell thing has been fulfilled. It's all due to this idea of eschatology and the end of times, which people all assign to a future, but it happened way back then. He is the one, and whether you're Hindu or Muslim and don't know him, if you are someone who loves, you're operating by his commandment, and you are God's child through Christ. So I just want to pitch to you that he... In his sayings, if they're true, right. said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the best option. Okay. I mean, I, I have researched religion. If, if I'm going to choose any of them, I, I do like the teachings and the ideas in Christianity. And I attend a Christian church. You know, uh, Which one? Centerpoint. All right. <laughs> All right. With old uh, McKinney. Yeah, Scott McKinney. Sure, I know Scott. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I don't dig into doctrine anymore. That's all right. You know, I was so Good. deep. I was so deep into Mormonism. I'm just going to, you know, listen to great music. Every sermon is about Jesus and something positive, how we can help our life. And that's really all I'm interested in at this point. Well, your life works is showing that you follow goodness. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Any way we can help you with getting... Uh, when you start doing your blog or your podcast. Podcast, yeah, I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. I'll let you know. And uh, just really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was great. Okay. Mm-hmm. See ya.